0: 내 고민을
1: My name is Liam Bird and this is the Punks and Pubs podcast. I hope you're all doing well and uh, you're dealing with those longer nights and shorter days. If you're, Oh, actually, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope you're dealing with the, that sunlight. It, it keeps going, doesn't it? It's a bit much. Embrace the darkness. That's what I'm saying. Welcome to the Punks and Pubs podcast. My name's Liam Birds. I'll probably re-record that bit. Anyway, wherever you are, and I hope all is well. On this episode, I have a band who do very little media, but we're willing to hang for an hour in North London uh, to talk a little New York DIY hardcore punk. They have a new album called Trouble the Water. Uh, We talk about labels not supporting artists through the COVID pandemic and living by the motto, people love and violence, plus a lot more. The band is Show Me The Body. And Julian and Harlan from the band join me for a beer. Uh, Very quick note. Julian is the one with a very thick New York accent, and Harlan is the other one. Uh, I state this because I completely forgot to introduce them individually, so you got to know whose voice is who. My bad. Uh, I will learn from that. Let's get this shit on the road. Enjoy. Sometimes I think of silence.
2: Sometimes I think of the words they speak. Sometimes I think of the of the sheep Sometimes I think of the furnace I think of the land
0: I think of the games that they play That they say will make you a man
1: We are in A rainy North London Islington pub. And in front of me is a quarter of uh, Show Me The Body. Julian, Harlan, how are you both? We're good. Happy to be here. Two thirds. Two thirds. See, I'm dyslexic so therefore my my mic is not gonna hear me until five minutes later. So yeah, the new album, Trouble The Water is out. You've been playing shows in Europe. Had a show in London last night. You got a free day today. This isn't going to go out, so I understand well, no one's going to care. you got another show tomorrow. How is life? Like, how is it getting back on the road, going to Europe, playing shows that post-pandemic
3: you may not have thought you could have? It's been great. I mean, uh, we played a lot of places that we played maybe five years ago for five people, two people, and this time it was 150 people, 200 people sometimes sold out. It's kind of a, you know, going from a zero to 11 type of thing, but uh, to see that response in like Poland and uh, in Italy and a country in countries that we like have been to once or not at all—that's like more than we could have hoped for. So. It's been immense. The reaction to the album, and also just being out here while the album came out, is was actually a lot of fun. I think.
1: So you lads, like, uh, when you got a bit of time, do you like just to see friends and just hang out with people you haven't seen for a while, or are you actually just get out, go enjoy London, let's go find some shit, get lost in the tube? I think
2: like kind of a mix, but like we have a lot of friends in London that uh, we've known for a long time. We've been out here for like four or five times now, or something yeah I don't know yeah we like to we like to get into it we like to hang out we got thrown out of London hotels from like trying to throw parties with our homies in London <laughs> before and we just played with uh, Wulu last night that was the, the first Underworld time. right yeah and 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 Wulu was just incredible so cool live and uh, and we, we had the pleasure of, of meeting Miles uh, I guess the last time not the last time we were in London but the, the one before the pandemic I guess yeah, yeah and and uh, yeah, we just had a to, and you know, we just like pulled up to the studio with the homie Rago. Rago took us there, got some fucking goat curry, and went to the studio. And uh, Miles and his homie studio, and we just had a lovely time. And they just showed us Mad Love, and so wonderful. Then play with these people, but this is really the, the best, some of the best parts of touring. You know what I mean? It's like not even the shows or something like this, but literally making long, real friendships with people around the world who you can share. You know, like ideas and camaraderie with, and and you and like you have their back when you show up. You know that if you need something, they have yours as well.
1: So, is, do you think that's unique to the to the music industry that you guys are in? So, like hardcore punk, that kind of field. Like, do you think that's something that goes on in a heavy metal scene, or do you think this is just truly unique? To, no, I to think it's do.
2: something that goes.
1: It happens
2: in all scenes, and doesn't happen within all scenes. It's up. To, it's up to an individual. In all places, in all cities, no one's fucking better or worse. There's bad people and there's good people fucking everywhere. You know what I mean?
3: But I mean, I mean, we played with bands on tour that, uh, you know with the uh, playstations and the, their green rooms and uh, there's no part of it that has to do with socializing or meeting the people that they're performing for but that is the complete opposite of like what we do and you know our show is very much about the people who are there as much as us being three guys in the room is playing the instruments like we get to play it but they get to like, like manifest it and like participate and through that we meet like some amazing artists and just people who are there and trying to share a space with us and uh Uh, Yeah, we've made many friends along the way. It also makes it a lot easier to live this life because, you know, we have lives back home, but we will also not land, you know, when we're active for months at a time. And then when you do get home, you know, playing catch up with your family or your friends, it's not always easy. So... Building like you know s- security systems and relationships around the world is really crucial to this lifestyle and being doing what we do. You know, and right before we started
2: with you, fucking, we just ran to Scowl in this in this spot. Scowl's a great band, friends of ours from California, uh, San Jose. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going on tour Scowl along with uh, Zulu and Jesus Peace and Trip Jones. But yeah, shout out to all those people that we've met through touring and the whole. And the rbs movement in california
1: great bands out there too and you know there's beautiful people from that area you spoke about like like some bands go into their rooms and just hide or go and just do their own shit. is that something that you've kind of gone as as we get bigger and we take bands with us we we're not going to do that. We're gonna we're gonna approach them, introduce ourselves, make them relaxed, and, and and then we'll 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 have a few beers and we'll just chat shit. Is that something that's been like built into you from an early age? And who who kind of instilled that into you that you should be interacting with the bands that you're taking with you, maybe as support?
2: Well, so many people. I think we've been on tour and we've had wonderful times with people who are who have brought us on to it and we had wonderful times with people and then other times I think people are just like weirded out to just like keep it a buck with people, you know what I mean? Or, and, you know, a lot of times when, like, I think people have been upset that, like, they have to open for showing their body. Like, if they're on a bigger supporter, you know what I mean, because we're weird as fuck. And they're like, oh, this man's fucking weird. It's not real, this or that. But I think also we've just been in on, in, in that situation. So on the opposite side of coin. we've been on the opposite side of the coin in both when it's good and bad. So the only thing that we would want is to make everyone feel good. And we don't consider ourselves like better than nobody else like anybody that we're bringing on tour with us we're bringing them because we have high respect for them and we feel that uh they represent how how we feel hopefully something that we do can also be part of how they feel you know what i mean like and it's a that's part of like camaraderie and solidarity so we would never with nobody that we don't give a fuck about how they feel or how they're playing we always want everybody for it to be a really like enlightening
3: moment you know what i mean yeah, I think like it's interesting because artists are inherently expressive people when they're on stage and they're performing, but sometimes it's not the case when they're off. I think in our case like we've we've kind of thrived on like Julian said creating experiences where people are actively participating and are direct with their music and engaging their audiences and it's like you know it kind of rides the line between whether it's actually entertainment or kind of like a ceremony or kind of experience that people are all participating in you know because I think some people just want to go to a show to be entertained you know but in our case it's not really just about that it's about like being free and letting go and once you find enough put enough people in a room doing that like it's like hard to stop talking like usually like when we're like at a show, we're all talking and having a good time and hanging with the bands. And like last night in London was a great, great show. I think it worked out really well. Those, all those, the lineup being what it was, was really sick, you know.
1: So we're going to go down the usual kind of podcast tropes of talking a little bit about your past and, and how you guys got together. But I, I think I'd be a bit amiss if I don't talk about today in your country is election day, yeah. and people are going to the polls. And I I'd kind of get, I'd be interesting to get your understanding of how you actually see politics in America at the moment. Are, are you seeing it as we're going for a rough time? But at the end of the day, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. We're still going to have democracy or are you one of those people that are like fuck we are in real danger at the moment and i'm very aware at being a brit the hypocrisy of me saying this we just had two prime ministers in literally fucking four weeks so like how, how do you see it at the moment are you, are you energized or are you like "Fuck, man
2: the story of global democracy is falling apart before us in every country and it's happening in america as well and uh yeah that's just our reality as of as of late, you know what I mean? I think it's, I don't even consider it like a a political conversation. Just, you know what I mean? It's just literally what's happened. Like fascism is taking hold in most places. And, uh, but I think it's also just because of the failings of neoliberalism and what people think of as democratic politics. And I think that all that shit is, you know, I'm personally, I don't consider myself political whatsoever. I don't follow politicians. Um, I follow social movements and people that I respect and uh, people who, yeah who like who speak in ways that uh make me feel things make others want to do things you know um and uh and i respect left leftist movements all over the world um that that's sort of what i'm interested and i think that the the game of politics sort of weighs within liberal democratic politics and fascist politics and it's just like it's it's what's always been it's what's always going to be and we go through like hundreds of years where we wane between it being really good or really bad or like
3: or not so shitty and really bad I I mean it was really incredibly disappointing to be on tour this last summer when Roe vs. Wade was overturned and uh, asking the sound engineer at the show in Ramsgate is is abortion a constitutional right in this country and he said well we don't have a constitution but it is a right And it's disappointing to, you know, be away from home and then come back to a, you know, regressed, you know, devolved version of what it is supposed to be, you know, in some level, what it preaches to be, you know. And um, in the same breath, I think, like, Julian and I, and I don't want to speak to you, but I think I overheard him saying the other day that we have a lot of faith in young people and that our music is about that sincerely and always has been, you know, and it has not been about commercial goals or capital gains it's been about inspiring people to think for themselves and i think as long as young people find a way to do that without being fed too much bullshit that there might be a some sort of hope but at the same breath it's like it's a constant state of overturning and uh you know a lot of bullshit like we're seeing right now you know just keep that in mind then like there's a, there is a lot of negativity when we talk
1: about politics or we talk about kind of activism and how you go about doing things because at the moment that there's there's in the uk i don't know how much you're aware of uh, stop oil they, they've been causing tailbacks from miles and miles and miles which is affecting people uh, living their lives whereas it's obviously is it, everyone seems to be looking inwards instead of looking outwards yeah. you guys i know you've got um, something called a corpus is that right yeah. Where about you you engage with your community and get get people to actively either artistically or in another form of expression to to promote themselves is, is that needed is that needed more because i i was i was trying to think of something in london that was like kind of similar and i, I couldn't think of anything and I, and I think people listening to this might find it difficult in their own towns or cities as well
2: well, just to tell you what Cor- Corpus is like, is our crew in New York, and we did, we like put out some records, but we also have social initiatives, so we have like a studio residency where kids from the city can apply to have some free time in our studio, like 36, 38 hours, something like this, and then uh, 36, and then um, we also do like a self-defense class where like we have kids who are like young kids who come to our shows can like take, basically, self-defense for free and, and like, learn how to defend themselves and stuff like that, learn how to fight. Um, but there there's um, at least something that I see as a little similar, something that we're engaging with uh, tomorrow, we're playing a free show in uh, Brixton Market, and it's being thrown by this kid, Alex, who does a thing called um, Concrete Culture, and he's dope as hell. Um, and he uh, basically turned this, like, dilapidated something into, like, uh, a really beautiful, like, uh, skate park for like his community and like threw a bunch of shows this summer and uh, so th- we're really proud to work you know as we do that sort of thing in New York to connect with somebody who does something you know excuse me something does somebody who does something slightly similar in like a place like London you know what I mean so that's that's very exciting for us you know but people do this sort of thing everywhere but it's not something that's like you know it's not something that's cool and it's not promoted but it's also not something that's incredibly difficult. Like you can, even if like, like you know what I mean? Like me, like, we're not incredibly like, I, or I'm speaking for myself, Harlan's a very smart person, but like, you know, anybody could do this sort of thing. You know, it's just about taking the time and um, it's not something that you'll be like praised for doing, I don't think, and we don't do it for that either. You know what I mean? But, but and it's something that just takes a lot of effort, but anybody could do this, they just have to try hard.
0: First song, death in the silence Violent of London by the lot of violence Side has a night, scared of the shining you got to bite, scared of the sun. Just the first song, death in the silence Violent of London by the lot of violence Sun has a night, scared of the shining
1: I kind of want to talk about a little bit about your upbringing and, and Julian I read that your brother is a trained dancer uh, With a background in music, so I can only assume that you grew up in a creative household because if that like the expression well, my, my mom and my auntie were our twins and
2: So and they raised a lot of our family all together so I kind of had like two very strong mothers at the same time and um, uh, And they were both at a, when they were younger. They were both opera singers or you know, as young women, they they sang and like and they sang in choirs and stuff. And um, they and uh, I guess they would always just anything that we did, they'd be like, you know, go go do it better. The, the second time you do it, it'll be better. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they would just, you know, just and like and they they came from people like uh, immigrant mentality. You know what I mean? They grew up in a
1: first generation immigrant household, so like. That was kind of the thing that was passed on to, I think, like, my brother's sisters. So so with that in mind, then, did you have music constantly playing in the house?
3: Was it, like, classical or...? I mean, yeah, I mean, not to speak so generally, but Julian's family is one of the most talented families artistically that I know. And it's really impressive. Like, all his cousins and him, his siblings, really incredible artists. Um, And and, and, then... And yeah, I mean, I think we both grew up surrounded by music and art. And like, my, my grandfather was a painter. My father was always playing his favorite records for me, even though he wasn't a musician. What had, records were uh, He was playing like a lot of like desert freak rock music from the 60s, like Frank Zappa, uh, Elvis Costello, pub rock. Uh, NRBQ, like, you know, upstate New York type shit, like, stuff that, like, I just feel like, yeah, Captain Beefheart, like, the Phugs, Phu- Village Fugs, like, a lot, you know, classic, classic blues, blues music, uh, Muddy Waters, um, you know, Howlin' Wolf, that kind of stuff, and, you know, that my dad was like a child of the 60s, and even though he didn't play music per se, I, I was always surrounded by it and encouraged to pursue it, so... Um, and, and when Julian and I met, like, we both just wanted to have, be in a band and, like, make something happen. And so it was kind of like, it felt like a necessity for us to, like, put our minds together and, like, figure it out and how to do it, you know? How, how you
1: two kind of create the band, I think, has been talk, talked about enough. But something that people might not know is that you both went to... A a a school that was that that has been highlighted for progressive education, and I think in the UK, people
3: probably won't know what that means. So, what does that mean to you? Uh, Well, uh, to me, it's it really has to do with um, a an alternative approach to learning that involves not so much like you know avoiding the classics or you know it's like not you know it was a prep school at the end of the day, but really what it is is like you you don't. It's that it removes some of the formalities of a you know a kind of classical education that i think uh, can oftentimes affect you know a person's education maybe not for the worse but not for the better you know at least in my case i'm being an artist and having grown up with a mind that is not able to necessarily read quickly or compute numbers quickly but i can paint and draw and i can i can write music and arrange music and Think abstractly. It's a kind of education that encouraged us to to participate, and you know, and I think like that's why Julian and I met was being in a school that was, created a space for us to be in. You know, like neither of us were like smart straight A students, but when we came to like making music and putting ourselves into it, these kind of places really helped with that. Um, and uh, yeah, the, you know, famously, a lot of these schools were started by. In the 30s in the United States, who were reacting to the kind of like classical education that honestly came from this country and the old world. I, th- I think you shouldn't downplay the like,
2: like, like a uh, Summer Hill and like all that shit, like that's all like British stuff. Like the whole idea of free school comes from England and stuff like that. And like, that's actual progressive education. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like as far as I'm concerned, like fuck school, like, like to let kids do what the fuck they want. And that's, I think why free school is so cool. Like it's literally just letting children decide what they fucking want to do.
1: Well, I mean, we, we do have a kind of a controversial thing of free school whereabouts. There's certain people who are who are doing free schools and imposing their own political will on on that belief system, so you you may have the the, the the artist who wants kids to kind of thrive at their own speed, but then also you've got the right wing fucknut who who wants to impose their own political religious beliefs on that person, and and so like there is a toss up between if it is a good thing or if it's not, and if everyone's doing the middle thing, at least everyone's doing the same thing. It's fuck school for me. <laughs> I,
2: yeah, I, I mean Harlan Harlan graduated yeah. and stuff like that. And so yeah. Jackie. I couldn't, I couldn't. I
3: I don't think that school is for everyone. Like you know, I I, I don't want to say that, but I have to say that I personally really enjoyed my education and, and got a lot out of it because it gave me the tools to to work on my life and to find passion in my life and also to navigate life. And I think that's what's really important about it, you know. And and also I've knowing plenty of people who don't need it to figure find their way and to become successful and happy. And I think I respect that immensely. I I think that there's the inaccessibility of education is a huge problem why a lot of the world is shit right now. And the fact that people can't find where they belong within it, you know, and um, I'm, I'm really grateful that I wouldn't have met Julian if we hadn't gone to school together and been made to take music classes together. And then he's like, oh, Harlan, you can kind of play bass. Why don't we like, why don't you play this? shitty punk rock music I'm writing you know I'll be like oh okay yeah it's pretty good I actually like that shitty punk rock music let's keep making it you know it's like that's that's basically at the end of the day I mean I, mean, I think that's maybe the most beautiful part about it is meeting people and learning together learning with people you know and and uh and from people you know so well let's
1: talk about that shitty punk rock music i mean was it something that julian imposed on you or is it something that you found yourself
3: no i mean i wanted to be in a band and and i i think like when we played together we just immediately kind of like could uh answer each other's questions and you know and respond in some capability and like and i really did like and have always loved what he's written i mean i think he's my favorite poet that I work with, you know, and, and that I honestly generally get to work with and listen to, you know, all the time. And I'm happy that I you know, that we've built this uh, collaboration for the last 15 years. I mean, that's how long we've been playing together. Um, and yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I, I've Like, I grew up on a different, with a different palette and a different taste for things, you know, than than he, but our music is a byproduct of us showing each other shit and writing together and combining those ideas, you know, it wouldn't happen any other way. I remember the first EP we made, like, every song that Julian wrote, like, the drummer and I at the time, like, gutted and chopped and screwed and made him completely perform it differently, and it's... I think that it turned out exactly, that's like the framework for this band. It's like taking our ideas and, you know, changing them, you know, and, and working on them together, you know.
1: So I'm, in, I'm interested, sorry, Jim, before you answer that, I'm interested to know, like, for yourself then, as a young, young guy writing, and, and then you, you bring it to your band, and your band are like, well, this is great, but let's, let's kind of mess with it a little bit. Were you quite open to that criticism, or were you quite protective at the time?
2: I think maybe at first I was a little scared. But I think it's it's something to remember that, um, and I think I, I end up saying this a lot, but. I think it's it's something, it's one of the coolest things that I've learned in my life, I think, that anybody can have an idea that is linear, that you can think of, and you can see the end result or goal, but something that is, I think, much more beautiful and and much more sacred is uh, something that you could not see by yourself. So, like, when when a collective mind is achieved, we can create something that is actually much more ridiculous than we could have imagined, or, honestly, much bigger than... One person could have linearly created on their own a a confluence of of minds into one like happening
1: is always going to be more magical than just one person's idea. So, do you remember like the first show you went to together? Not play, yeah. but just went to
3: together. I think so. Wasn't it Dawn of? Wasn't it Dawn of Humans at 285 Kent? Was that the first show we went to together? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a hardcore show at a venue that no longer exists called uh, 285 Kent on Williamsburg. It was like the first hardcore show I ever been to. I mean, literally, Julia took me to my first hardcore show, and uh, and I was like, oh, it kind of like, you know, like when your friends take you to these places and show you things, it'll like hit a switch in your brain, and you say, "I I can see the trajectory of these things. I can see how, like, what I like arrived at this, and how what I want to make goes further than that. And, like, and like I think that... Shadow down a human, you know, shadow yeah, a meal. Yeah, awesome, awesome music, yeah.
1: So I'm kind of interested, then, about your first hardcore show, because, like, when I went to my first... I, I'm a kid of punk, like, that, that's kind of always been my, my love, but I've got friends who are massive hardcore fans, so I went to my first hardcore show, and if I'm honest, my guard was up, mainly because I'm, like, I'm a skinny, six-foot... Kid and I thought I was going to get beaten the shit out of because what I perceived or what I was told a hardcore show would be was be full of meatheads who just wanted to kick the shit out of me. Partly true, partly not. I mean, how was it for you two? Was was, was that kind of preconceived notion? Also Dawn of Humans is hardcore punk.
2: <laughs> it's hardcore punk. Like yeah. it's, okay. not, it's not a meathead band. Dawn of Humans is like a very incredible like like uh,
1: projection of society. But, I mean, you, you sometimes like, you, you, you may be a hardcore punk band, but you, your crowd is a hardcore fan. Sure, okay, sure, yeah. sure, 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 So, I mean, how was that for you guys? Like, what, Did you go in with a preconception of, this is what the crowd's going to be like? Or did you discover it and go, actually, it's not full of just meathead fuckwits who just want to beat the shower of I me? Mean?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a camaraderie there and like a, like a connection and a, a collective release of, of rage and like frustration and, and happiness all at once that can be related to immensely but I I think you know it's important to maintain that Julian and I also have always identified with hardcore punk because of the nature of the dance and the engagement that it involves like personally I was not. I never grew up on like hardcore, hardcore, and I've only more recently gotten into it because we're now in that world and we perform in that world. But like, for me, like I, I'd, for, I, punk rock was my like.
2: I always one think it's only, really you know? funny when people think when people are like, "Oh yeah, like, show me body shows are violent." I was like, "Yo, you have not been to a real fucking show." Like the shows that I went to as a child were like. We're a lot more violent than show and the body shows are, and or you know, and there still are bands that we really love and respect that their shows are a lot more violent than ours too, and like not you know what I mean? That's dope. Like I don't give a fuck. But um,
1: was that an element of the draw to it though? Is like there is this danger of going to the show? Oh, of yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And you're able to express yourself physically and dance, hmm. and and I think
2: that's also what what's important about. Like, think about, like, like, culture from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, like rock and roll is about fucking. Like, it's about moving of your hips, dancing, your lower body getting funky. Like, that's what it's about. So any music, whether you're talking about... Whether you're talking about, like, like hip-hop that's being made today on YouTube, or, like, the best hardcore that's coming out, there's, like, an element that's, like, there's a way that you're supposed to dance to it. You know what I mean? Or there's multiple ways that you could dance to it. But the fact that wonderful music is about dancing, is about moving. You know what I mean? And I think that's what kind of, it's also what unites like the movement of punk rock to also like the hip hop movement and the and the hardcore movement is that not it's not only is it about graffiti, not only is it about crews, not only is it about
1: the song and the lyrics, but it's about dancing. I want to touch on Whereabouts, the kind of, that you discovered all that because you volunteered at ABC No Rio. And I wonder if that was like Whereabouts, everything that you've taken on board and taken to heart, was that where you found it? Or was it from other people in your family or friendship? No, def- I mean,
2: definitely just working hard which came from my family, but but, but seeing, like being exposed to, to to this sort of thing. That was the ABC scenario, but also just, you know, around the city too. Like the city was like full of, of culture and things to see and not be able to see and stuff like that, you know? So like when I was younger, I thought like Big L was like Drake. I thought everybody in the world listened to Big L. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, but there's there's when when you're the city, obviously it's like it's like it's a crazy place to be raised because you're both you're shown so many things and you're denied from so many things, and it kind of makes you super hungry to do something about it. Shop
0: and steak. It's too big. Try to save their face. Fuck that. We try to take it away. Take it away.
1: When was the first time you realized that you could plug in and people were actually listening and, and that means that you can actually get in the van?
2: <laughs> Bro, it took a long fucking time. <laughs> show Me Body has sucked for years, man. Everybody's like, wow, Show Me Body is that new trendy band. Like, We've been a band for OD long Like, like we and we played awful shows and sucked for a long ass time. Probably people started thinking we were good before we were actually good, because it's just like a homies being like, wow, they got through that song.
3: Our first shows, our friends couldn't get into because they were bars and we were underage. Couldn't get them in until we were 21. So Julian started booking a lot of our first like DIY shows. And, um, and we were put on by this group, uh, Rat King, that took us on tour around uh, the Northeast in probably like 2014, 2015. And uh, I think shortly after that we played a show in New York with them this ridiculous show in Soho which I honestly think to this day was the turning point when people started recognized recognizing us as a band that should be paid attention to and respected and that was with the uh, Black Dave right was yeah,
2: and I don't know but that was at Harif Guzman's house yeah, who's the, an artist who at the time I was giving yoga privates to and he had just he had, he had just gotten clean I was giving yoga shout out Harif Guzman he's a crazy motherfucker was,
3: yeah it was that was a, a moment I felt like a, like something had happened that night even though it was like you know, we played for a couple hundred people which was not like strange to us at that point necessarily but it felt like after that, that night we were getting offered more and more shows more frequently and um you know, just doing our thing more, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. So was there an excitement
1: like when you could actually get in the van and know that you were going to have an audience once you got to wherever you get to? And also, I'm kind of interested. Julian, I heard that you, whenever you drive, you're getting pulled over constantly. I mean, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Dang.
2: Well, it's keeping it a buck with Who you, man. That? I like to drive fast. <laughs> I mean, um, some of my good friends describe, uh, you know, I'm not a bad driver, but it is like a roller coaster. You know, but um, when I, you know, when I'm driving somewhere, I like to get there. I also drive a motorcycle, so it makes me want to go fast. And you know what I mean? When I'm driving, sometimes when I drive a car, I've, you know what I mean? I I like to have fun, um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I don't condone that kind
1: of behavior. (laughs) So I'm kind of interested though because you spoke about yeah, so well like you on Reddit or something, man. <laughs> did I say that in
3: an interview? Probably, y- you did, probably. you did,
1: yeah, yeah. Would you? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So like you spoke about like people not paying attention in the early days, and and you and I've heard you say that people would uh, look at us and think who who's bringing these freaks and, and then what's, what what the fuck are these guys? Oh man, it's still happening all the time. We we talk about punk and hardcore as like a community, and and it seems like that hasn't always been the case for you. Guys. Guys, like, just because you're a bit different, you've got a banjo on stage, where you got like a, a few pedals in front of you. People are like, oh fuck, calm down. Uh, well, a lot of bands that like
2: we looked up to
1: when we were kids think didn't really
2: want anything to do with us, and so we built like our own scene in New York. And only that did we get respect from, like, not only the New York scene, but from scenes around the country and now scenes around the world. And, like, a lot of the kids who come to our shows, like, are kind of just more, like, freaks than they are, like, punk kids or hardcore kids, like these fucking weirdos. And that's the, you know what I mean? that I'm excited about that, you know? Um, and I, you know, I, I think that, like, we have a lot of camaraderie and respect for a lot of hardcore and a lot of punk bands that we get to play with and at, at the same time like we're happy that they feel com- camaraderie and respect with us and it's, the feeling is mutual and lovely and at the same time uh, I think our prerogative is like like we're bringing Trip Jones on tour and that's a homie from New York and we're bringing them because we respect him as a musician and our goal is not to, to be like oh we only tour with hardcore groups we only tour with hip hop groups or rock and roll or hyper or whatever like like we tour with people that we respect and we want to be around and who have a good work ethic and we respect
1: individuals who work hard and make beautiful music but was there a resentment in the early days of, like, why aren't you allowing us to be part of this community that we've always been told is open and, and, and is and is welcoming, but clearly you guys are blocking us? You you, you think we're freaks just because we've got a banjo or, or, or a synth?
3: Um, I mean, I, I think that it's just, like, people don't want to shatter any kind of mold existing mold or security system that they have in their mind it's like oh there's not two guitar players up there playing the same exact thing and why is the bass player and this man louder and the banjo player screaming at the top of his lungs and I mean all these these like dynamics that are kind of so built into cliches I mean it feels like when we were kids I think I saw it two ways There's like bands making music that they love and they have heard and then and there's bands who are making their own sound and like creating their own path. And I and we really only had the option to be one or the other. And I knew the day that Julian showed up to the studio with the banjo that we were not going to be doing the first one because <laughs> there's no way. I was like, I was like, oh man, I don't know about this. Like, what, is this? what are you doing? And then it's like, this is an important voice in our in our project. It's a, more than important. It's a signature voice in our project. Um, something that you know regardless of what you aesthetically associate with the the instrument it's like if you listen to it that is that's our sound you know so like i'm i'm proud of the fact that that can't be taken away from us in our in our in our careers you know so i'm very aware of time so
1: i want to fast forward a little uh, over the questions i've got so let's go to 2019 dog war came out released and then a pandemic happened and it kind of put you guys on pause and you're a band who wants to play, go out and play and your city of New York was probably one of the most harsher cities in America like, like London, you went into lockdown I mean, how, how was that creatively for, for you guys? Did you feel stumped or were you like, like, no, this is an opportunity for us to to think about how actually as a band we want to perform or how we want to be seen or how we can contribute in a different way? I mean, yeah, it really it really was like we need to take stock and be like
2: what what are we really doing with our time and music became less of a priority for a little while because it was like well we can't do nothing about it. And it was really like you know we were struggling to pay our rent, other people struggling to pay rent. And we we're like yo like how how can we help our community on a needs basis so we created the mutual aid fund for artists and stuff and and, and musicians and people who make their money through nightlife. You know, whether those be musicians or bouncers or whatever, you know what I mean. Um, and uh, but I think it I think it, it was, I think it, was a, it was a lot of things it was fucked up like a lot of people like had family that past and stuff like that and you know a lot of people went through it and stuff like that and, uh, but
3: you know it is what it is time is a bitch you know what I mean uh, there was like a impetus put upon us to do a live stream <laughs> at a certain point during the pandemic and there was like nothing. Like, we just hadn't hadn't wanted nothing to do with that, because that's not what we do, that's really not what we do, and it was like, it just seemed like the industry had no creative way of supporting artists and supporting the people that actually make this world go round, you know, in a way, and it was like, let's put a video of something that you do professionally on YouTube, and get everyone to pay attention to you, and then the reality is, it's like what we do, what our experience that we create, is meant to be experienced in person, not through a lens, not through a screen, and uh, we ha- we ha- we're given no other choice but to be creative. I mean, definitely didn't have support from the record label we work with. We didn't have support in the form of the income from shows that we usually have when we're touring actively. So yeah, we, we kind of focused on our corpus project, the, the um, residency programs, the initiatives we were leading, and uh, kind of refused to go that route because it didn't reflect our values and what we would do as a band, you know. Um, not to slight anyone who did that, but just to kind of speak on it as like, I think it was. I, I personally think it was a lazy way to maintain a music career in the absence of shows and yeah. the absence of being like an active band. You know, you kind of. I don't know if you did this purposely, but you kind of said
1: there that the label didn't help you, and and you've put out the new album on the same label.
3: Yeah.
1: Was was that because you're you're tied to them, or it was just like fuck it, man? They they've got no money either, so we understand.
3: I mean... I, Hell no. You know, we are three, three... Like, you know,
2: no disrespect to label, but we're on a three-record contract, quite explicitly. You know, let's not keep it a... Let's, you know what I mean? Let's, let's call it what it is. We have another record that we owe them. Um, and all music labels made a little announcement. They're like, oh yes, we are in a time of generosity. And we, you know... And like BLM, and like... Show me one motherfucker that actually did anything.
3: You can't. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, not to speak ill of anyone. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not about a matter of shit-talking. It's just a matter of what it is. I mean, we uh, we put our lives into this and work every day on it and they ultimately they own 80% of whatever is being made or, you know, a big chunk of it. So it's like, it's kind of, you know, it was a frustration to, uh, to, to have not been held down or supported more in that time but at the same breath it's like we work with them in a specific capacity and we're always going to do what we do so you know. and also you know we put out a, a mixtape for the mutual aid fund
2: that was all music donated from artists who were part of the New York scene and internationally and we didn't you know and the label's at least cool enough to keep their mouth shut because we didn't ask them and we just put it out on our bandcamp. we're like, all this money is going to the Corvus Mutual Aid Fund so that we can distribute it to our community hopefully in a fucking transparent way, you know what I mean? And uh, and that's what we did and the label didn't give us no shit for it so God bless them for
1: that, you know? Let's <laughs> <laughs> give them kudos for that. Right, so let's talk about uh, Trouble the Water. I mean, it's now when they came out only a few, few weeks ago, right? Um, I mean, how how has it been received how do you deem how do you look at it and go this is this is this is going well cuz i'm interested like how do bands look at albums now whereabouts everything is being streamed and go this was a good album is it just personally like fuck it we enjoyed it it's gone well and i think the actual reality of being in a band or
2: being any kind of, of maker of music or or you know, however you want to say it, um, the the gold is uh, is not in the commodity. You know what I mean? Like we have to make an album to fulfill a promise of money that we have made to an individual. You know what I mean? And like, and the the actual beautiful part, like who gives a fuck if we finish an album? We're making music. The actual beautiful part is that me and Harlan have become brothers over the amount of time, and that we've made. Like this, this group, this family called Corpus, through doing this, that we've connected with this drummer Jack, who connected through with my cousin Gabriel, my own family, and you know, and we, we get to have all these beautiful experiences together. That is the goal. You know what I mean? Like the 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 album and the marketing and the PR is just what may, allows us to keep doing this. But this is the least important part of what it is. You know what I mean? In my opinion, what is actually the the best part is the day to day bullshit that you go through and the moments of lament. And the moments of beauty that we get
1: to share with one another. How do you balance that then? Because clearly, like doing this kind of stuff is not really what you enjoy. You want to be playing music. You want to go and do your thing. Like, do you do you understand like the kind of the the, the pack of the devil where you have to give and then go perform? You shaking your head, you nodding your head. I <laughs> don't know which one you're doing. I mean, you
2: know, it's like every, like you know, to to do this stuff, everybody has to make concessions. We live in a fucking like. Neoliberal, maybe fascist democracy, the capitalistic universalism—you know what I mean? Globalism—that's like pretty much, you know, pretty much. United States and UK are very similar. We both have thirty-two pump gas stations and stuff like this. You know, so like you—you make concessions. We live in this country. We give up our primal right to kill. You know what I mean? Like we live within these boundaries and to participate in what we do. Sometimes you—you know. Luckily, you're a nice person. You know what I mean? And we have to meet up with individuals and talk to them and say, yes, it's nice, and we're happy and proud of the album, and and we're so in debt to everybody. But really, it's, it's, it's all about the work that we get to put in and the individuals, like yourself, that we get to meet throughout this journey. You know what I mean? We get to make actual lifelong relationships with individuals. This is the most blessed part. And then, cherry on top, when we get to play, we make a ceremony. You know what I mean? It's a ceremony. And nobody, no, like, ceremony is the best band name ever because it's a ceremony, you know what I mean? And it and it's everybody coming together to, to be together. There's no icon ship. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like nobody's like, oh wow, look at fucking Paul, he's so sexy. I mean, they do, but you know what I mean. But like, but no, you know what I mean? It's not about me or hauling a jack. It's about everybody dancing,
1: everybody singing together. This is the whole point. So this is my actually. This is gonna be my last question, just because I think it kind of sums up what you're trying to say. Someone asked you in an interview where there's like, what's the message of the album? And you said every message of the album's the same. It's people, love and violence. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to know what what actually does that mean, like people love and violence what does it mean to you No,
2: you know that
1: not everybody's going to be around for a long time so make sure we respect each other
2: and love each other and then we have to take care of one another and sometimes that means responsibility and sometimes that means intellectual warfare and some that sometimes that means physical warfare and you got to be ready for all of it if you want to embrace each other you want to embrace family and have responsibility to your family have responsibility for love you have to embrace all these things and they're all part of life and God bless everybody out there
1: fighting and doing it. Guys, that's it. I'm, g- I'm going to wrap up now because I know you guys need to run off. But thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for giving you time. And thanks for, uh, yeah, just, just being here. Bad town burned down out
0: of sight. New rent gets spent, no wrong or right. Roll around the blue lights, you could see melting ice. Neighbours found them
2: leaking out the other night.
1: Thank you so much to Julian and Harlan for giving up their time to talk to me and just being good dudes. Uh, their new album, Trouble of the Water, is out now. Go pick up a copy from your local record store. I'm trying hard to get a very fun Christmas special lined up for you guys if you don't know every Christmas I, I release it either on Christmas Day Christmas Eve or boxing Day whenever I have time so I'm really hoping that this one comes through and uh, beginning of the next year 2023 we have a big hitter for you so uh, so make sure you go hit that subscribe button I don't know what that means just wherever you get your podcast just put me on the uh keep up that uploading business i'll be back in a few weeks time whereas i hope i will be able to speak properly but until then if you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down you pick them right back up again i love you see you later bye bye
0: Keep him up at night Covered in the ash I have to go